Welcome to On Deck. Tonight, we discuss college recruiting at the NCAA Division III level and NAIA level. High school-aged club teams and youth-level coaches are constantly asked or questioned as to how and why players are seen and chosen by colleges. Questions such, are, such as what are the intangibles a player needs to have in order to be offered a coveted roster spot on a college team. Our guest tonight, John Michael Osley, the full-time assistant coach for the Cornell College baseball team, which is located in Mount Vernon, Iowa. He's going to help us shed some light on this topic. Hey, John Michael, how are you doing? I'm good, Mo. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on to the show, taking some of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, let, let's dive in, because I know this is a, it's a lengthy topic. Um, can you tell us a little bit first about your background and your current role with the Cornell College baseball team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Colorado. Um, I obviously attended high school out there and uh, didn't really have much knowledge of the recruiting process, uh, which I, I'm sure a lot of, you know, which is why we're doing this podcast episode is because a lot of kids feel the same way in, in the high school sphere. You know, how do I get recruited and all that? So um, I was lucky enough to have a couple schools find me and reach out to me and, and we'll dive into kind of how that works later. But uh, yeah, I ended up out here at Cornell. Uh, I attended school here for, I graduated in 2020. And then right after I graduated, uh, I got hired on as the full-time assistant baseball coach. So though I'm going into my second year uh, with them. And uh, I just feel very, very blessed to still be here and to um, continue to help make this program great. Uh, and I've learned so much about myself and about um, just the college baseball sphere, especially the NCAA Division Three level while I've been here. So, yeah. That great lead-in, because I, I wanted to discuss that a little bit. There seems to be a misunderstanding of baseball at the D3 and the NAIA type of levels. Could you tell us a little bit about what type of competition we would expect to see at the D3 level, uh, especially, yeah. especially like in the Midwest Conference where you're coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll be totally honest. I had that a preconceived notion in high school that um, like D3 and NAI were not competitive and they were not what you wanted to go play. You know, it was only D1 or D2 and that was how you were going to get a competitive baseball experience. And, and I was very, very wrong. So I'll just state that out front. Um, Division three and NAI baseball is very, very competitive. Um, lots of really great players. And I think the only difference is that, you know, D3 from an NCAA standpoint is primarily academic focused. Um, you know, most of the schools are high academic schools where the purpose is to go and get a degree in a field that you want to be successful in in your career. Um, and so athletics is a supplement to that academic experience, but it is a legitimate competition level because, you know, we play 40 varsity games at our school at Cornell. We play around 30 junior varsity games. And, you know, you're playing for a conference championship. You're playing for then NCAA regional championship, super regional, and then World Series. So it's the same structure as Division One. You're just playing less games. Uh, and that's because of it's more of the academic focus. So, you know, less time on the field, technically. Uh, but, yeah, when I played, I mean, the <laughs> those games are, are, were some of the most competitive games I ever played in my life. 
And, you know, everybody that's playing in those games and at the Division three level and NAI, um, obviously I'm just speaking from my experience, but uh, are there to win and are playing the game because they love it, you know, which is a little bit different than like the club ball scene, right, at a, at a Division one school. You know, that's kind of more of a uh, let's play baseball because we like it, because it's fun. You know, this is we are training seriously. We have practice plans. We have a goal in mind. We have pillars for our program. Um, you know, it's my full time job. So, you know, if you're going to a Division three institution, you'll have multiple full time coaches that that is how they make a living is to provide an awesome baseball experience and to you know, while doing so, win some ball games. Uh, that's, and that's excellent. Uh, just to clarify for our listeners uh, that colleges do actually uh, have club baseball teams in which, um, and it depends on the school, right? A lot of them will follow a JUCO or play other universities with club teams. Major universities have club teams. I didn't want our listeners to get uh, confused between, you know, their club teams in town and organizations um, and the university club teams. So, I yeah. and I know that, you know, again, most major universities have those club teams, but like you said, they're not structured, they're not organized, they don't have coaches necessarily, or they've got student volunteers, you know, running those right. things. Right, exactly. Yeah, big big schools like University of Iowa and, and big D ones like that will do will do club programs. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what you're, or actually ask a follow-up question to what you were saying about the um, the structure and the programs for D3. I tend to tell people that the speed of the game follows the pitching, right? So, like, you'll you'll see a lot of 90-plus guys at the D1 level and um, probably a lot of 87 or 86-plus guys at the D2 level. What to, and I know everybody's got a stud, right? That, that's true of everything. So, mm-hmm. in a in a three-game series, what can you say would, would be seen in terms of speeds um, from, from pitchers? Yeah. Uh, as far as speeds, I mean, usually – low to mid 80s and when i'd say that probably 83 to 86 is usually what you're seeing uh if you're getting a starting pitcher because if you're getting you know a starting pitcher that is the one of the team's top pitchers uh if you're if you have a starter a guy that can um go out there and give you multiple innings so that is something i want to comment on with the d3 level is you know while the velocity may not be as high as you know d2 and d1 on an average a big thing about d3 is the ability to pitch Um, because you're getting guys from all over the country that maybe have not um had the opportunity to be you know recruited by d1s or d2s because of size or because of velocity um but they they're they're good pitchers. You know, they know how to change speeds. They know how to work counts. They know how to get hitters off balance. Um, they're cerebral, right? You know, we talk about the academic school a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the players coming here have, um, they're, they're smart, smart kids. And so, you know, they, they take that onto the field with them. So, you know, if you're doing a three game series, yeah, you might have that stud that's throwing 87, 88 with a, a wipeout slider, you'll get that guy at the D3 level. Uh, but the guys following up behind him might be a little bit less in velo, but they have their own strengths as well. I mean, in the conference tournament my junior year, um, we played University of Chicago, and we were getting geared up for a lefty that they had that was throwing 88 to 90 miles an hour, 
you know, filthy stuff. And uh, we ended up getting a, a right-hander throwing 77. And uh, he, he shut us down. We didn't score a run that game. For nine innings, we lost that game two to nothing. And um, all he did was he just kept us off balance. We had a lot of weak fly balls, pop-ups, uh, weak ground outs, strikeouts. We just we couldn't get a barrel on the baseball. And so um, that's something I think that's really cool about the D3 level is there's not really a benchmark for how hard guys need to throw. Um, obviously, you know, when you have more velo, you have – better opportunity to get outs sometimes, um, just more options in your arsenal. But we have lots of guys that don't have high velo that are phenomenal pitchers for us. Uh, and I know that that's true among lots of other schools uh, in D3 and then also in the Midwest Conference. That's great. Well, great to hear. I, I always tell my kids that you can, you know, if you're throwing 95, you might get away with a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yep. if you're not, then what? Uh, always hit your spot. So that's, that's great. All right. So can you tell us about your current role with Cornell College team? What, uh, what exactly you're doing? And, and obviously, I know that you're recruiting. So obviously, mm-hmm. I want to highlight there. So if you yeah, can. definitely. Um, so yeah, I have, I have lots of different responsibilities um, within the program. I would say my two main ones are recruitment and retention. Uh, you know, that's that's the main responsibilities if we were to sum it up. So recruitment, what that falls under is um, finding new players, you know, finding guys that fit our program, that fit, that want to attend Cornell College with the one course at a time, uh, that want to be out here in, in Mount Vernon, Iowa, in this kind of more rural environment. Um, so yeah, for me, that there's lots of different ways of going about that. Uh, you know, there's attending showcases, there's looking at online profiles, there's going to high school games, you know, so, so travel is a part of my job. Um, but yeah, any kind of recruiting, just trying to find new players to, to enter our program. And then as far as retention goes, you know, that is how I look at it is providing an awesome current experience for our players that are on our team you know, making sure that they're getting something out of it uh, and that they feel connected and that they feel like this is a valuable thing that they're participating in in their lives. Because it's completely voluntary. Um, you know, at the Division three level, we don't have athletic scholarships. So nobody is bound by contract to to stay and play baseball for us. Uh, everybody that is on our team is, is choosing to do so, is choosing to do those lifting sessions three times a week and conditioning session once a week and mobility session once a week and practices six times a week and, and games, you know, that, that's an active choice. So for me, <clears throat> I really focus on relationships. Uh, I really try to get to know my players on a personal level and just see what interests them, see how they tick, see how, what they like about the game of baseball, why they're here, uh, and then do anything that I can to help that experience. Uh, whether that's advice about, you know, their swing or them fielding a ground ball or advice about, you know, they're having issues with a friend or they're struggling in a class, you know, so that's where I kind of focus regarding the retention area is just on 
establishing relationships and, and helping these wonderful young men in, in any possible way that I can. So, so you're mentoring kids, basically going through the process that, that you went through, or at least the experiences that you went through. Absolutely. Yep. That's a great word. So, so I have a great lead into the next question because I was going to ask if you could tell us a little bit about your recruiting experience, uh, going through it as a player and how you're using that experience right now when speaking to prospective student athletes. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my recruiting experience, just to backtrack into high school, was I was small. Um, I was not super fast. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot of the tools necessarily that you would kind of say uh, when, when looking. And, you know, I, I was a good defender. Um, I was a good contact guy. You know, I definitely had some skill and some talent, but I, I wasn't a standout by any means. You know, I wasn't the guy that you were going to pick out of the showcase and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's, you know, super high, high level next tier kind of player. So, um, yeah, I, I the only way that I really got recruited, I had no knowledge about it. My parents had no knowledge about it. I didn't really get any information from club coaches or high my high school coach actually told me I'd never play college baseball. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, and I, and wow. I say that cause I hope that if there's somebody out there listening to this, you know, hopefully, um, a, a young player in high school and somebody has told you that, that that's just not true. You, you can find a way. Uh, if you have a will, if you have a desire to improve and, and to continue to work on your game, you can absolutely find a place to play. Um, you just have to be open, a great, great right? place for that. You just have to be open to where you where you can go. You can't absolutely sit back and say, "I I want to be on the beach in California or the beach in Florida." And <laughs> yeah. so these are the only schools yeah. I'm considering. You get to kind of choose. I did not. I was not even considering the Midwest. So what happened for me is through my club program, they kind of created like an online profile for us, um, and I had one school reach out to me on that online profile. And I didn't do anything active on my end. Uh, that school just reached out to me, which is, I think, the, the conception that I had of how it worked, right? It was like, oh, I just play, and then schools will reach out to me if they're interested, right? And um, then how I ended up at Cornell was I was originally planning on going to the school, which was Augustana College in the Quad Cities uh, in, in between, you know, Illinois and Iowa, and then how I found out about Cornell was kind of the opposite way where I had my mom had a friend whose husband went to Cornell and played baseball and was like, oh, I heard John Michael's looking to play baseball. You know, let's see. Like, we'll see if he likes Cornell. They have a really cool academic system. And so what happened was he actually reached out to Coach Wing on my behalf and um, I had a recruitment video and, and we sent that to, to coach wing and, and he liked it and then invited me to come and visit campus. So, um, if I can kind of sum all that up as a player, if I could have done anything differently, which I don't want to, cause I'm so happy that I ended up where I ended up and it all worked out. But if I was doing it again or had a son that was doing it, um, I would just say to, to be active, you know, it, one, I think a recruiting video is the best way that you can possibly go um, just to start. And that can be a two minute video that just shows you taking a few swings. It just shows you um, fielding ground, fielding at your position. You know, if you're an outfielder, making a couple throws to bases, tracking a couple fly balls. If you're an infielder, taking some ground balls and throwing them across the infield. Uh, if you're a pitcher, 
a view from behind the plate and then a view from the side angle. Uh, but if you can just have that video of your skill set, then don't be afraid to just just send coaches emails. <laughs> just send them emails. Look up their email on the website and send them an email. And if you're interested in that school or that program, and they you know like your video, then that can that can start the whole recruiting process. You know, don't be afraid to get rejected. Right? If they don't like it, then they don't like it, and that's okay. Um, but that's something I wish I would have done more in high school now knowing what I know now as a college recruiter, because I look at a lot of video, I look at a lot of online profiles um, because that's how you do it in the Midwest, at least when the weather's cold and nobody's playing baseball, you're, you're looking at online videos. So uh, that would be a big recommendation that I have. So, so to touch upon that, um, the people that are out there, uh, you know, investing a good deal of money with the, yeah. with the music, with the, with, with the you know really cool transitions and and so forth, is it necessary? I mean, you talk about a two minute video. You guys must look at thousands of videos. It, do, yeah. do we need you need it to be vanilla? You need it. I mean, do you, is all that stuff really necessary? Or what are you guys looking at? And and how long does it take you before you're starting a video and stopping a video and <laughs> saying so yeah, moving on? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest. Uh, we don't need the extra fluff. We just don't, um, you know, the, the music, the transitions, the, the, you know, all that doesn't, doesn't, isn't very helpful necessarily to us, uh, as college coaches, we're just trying to see the skill set. That's all we care about. So if you can have a clear video of the skill set, that's, that's all that matters, you know, cause, cause some videos are like on an iPhone behind the you know, you can't right. really see very much. So you can do it on an iPhone. You don't need a professional camera. You don't need a professional, um, you know, videographer. You don't need a professional editor. I I'm telling you, you just put a flash up there with like your GPA, your height, weight, you know, your 60 time, like just some basic information at the beginning. And then just videotape your skill set. That, that is literally it. And, um, because and I have a for 14, us, oh, the only time that, yeah, sorry, just to finish, the only time that we stop looking at a video is if, you know, maybe we see like, if you're showing us like 20 swings, that's too many. Um, we can tell within the first five swings where your skill set is at and how it might play at our level. Um, same thing with ground balls. You know, if you take one, one, two routines, two forehands, two backhands, a slow roller, that's perfect. If you do three throws to bases and track two balls in the outfield, we can tell, right? So, and that's just college coaches have been around the game for a long time, usually. Um, playing it and then coaching it, and even me, who's a young coach, you know, I've been around the game enough to know what can compete at our level and, and what cannot. So, um, yeah, simple is better. That's my number one advice. Simple is better, uh, in order to, to just showcase yourself. Right. And, and one more question with that. Uh, and, and in my full transparency, I have a freshman, right? So in a few years I'll be putting together, hopefully his skill set video, uh, the five best swings I can possibly record, five, you know, five continuous swings, 10 continuous swings, and at bat, like, what are, it, 
just so that our audience knows, because I'm sure they're looking for, well, I know that he hit a home run here and I, I've got film on it somewhere. Like, is that what, is that the best situation or what would you say? Yeah, um, I would say my personal preference uh, when looking at video is I think I like to see continuous swings because uh, then it's, I know that I'm not going to always get your best swing. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, definitely, if you have to take multiple videos, that's fine in order to get some good swings in there. That's, you can do that. But I, I prefer continuous swings because then I can see the consistency, right? Is there consistency among the swing versus if I see a swing and then it's chopped up and it goes to a net to another swing, I'm like, okay, well, what about all the swings in between? You know, I kind of start to think that. So for college coaches, I, I think you don't want to leave a lot of room for doubt and you don't want to try to trick them, right? In the idea that if you want it to be a genuine interest in you, right? You don't want it to be like, a, oh, I'm going to put the, you know, the best possible compilation video out there so that maybe I'll get an offer, which I understand how that's tempting. But my advice is to just put yourself out there. <laughs> you have the skill set that you have and you can continue to improve upon that skill set. Um, but when you do that video, put that out there and then just see, see who feels like you'd be a good fit, you know, mm -hmm. see who feels like that would fit within your program. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, a couple other recommendations with videos is you can, you can do multiple videos, right? You can have one that's like a skill set based video. That's just you on a practice field. And then you can have an in-game video. And in that in-game video, put all your highlights, you know, put you hitting the home run, put you hitting the double, put your, you know, do that kind of stuff so that we can see your success in game, right? You know, if, if we know that a kid has hit a home run, that's a good indicator to us that he has some, some good power. Um, you know, for me, I never hit a home run in my entire career in high school, in college, all that. So um, when I see a kid hit a home run in high school, I'm like, yeah, okay. That, that shows that he has some, some power potential, right? Um, you know, or if you post a game where you have a really good game and you go three for three with two line drive singles up the middle and a double to the gap, post that, you know, show, show your, show that to them, um, to college coaches. And then also you can always update your video, you know, especially if you're doing it on an iPhone and you're just doing it at a practice session. If you want to update it six months later or something, do that, right? Um, if you feel like you've improved in a certain area, take another video and then just, you know, uh, there's, there's free video editing softwares. So that's a big thing. Um, you can look it up on YouTube, how to use iMovie and put it together. There's apps on your phone that you can use easy video editing. Um, like I said, it doesn't have to be super professional. It just has to be, the video has to be clear. So it's not grainy and we can see it. And then just the, uh, yeah, the skill set. But I would recommend if you want to update it, update it and put in your highlights from games. Right. No, and I, I appreciate that because it's it's something that I think uh, our listeners will benefit from from hearing, um, and their their investment could be more into the content of the video versus uh, you know snazzy, right? And it's snazzy. So, all right. Um, so that basically leads into the next question. Uh, there's there's all these huge tournaments, right? Showcases. Um, where, where do you actually find your athletes? Is it, is it word of mouth? Is it, uh, 
you know, bird dog, bird dog coaches that you have out there that you trust? Is it like, what is, how do you find players at the college level? Yeah. Um, so a big thing for us is to have multiple avenues of finding players uh, because we, we want to give ourselves the, the most amount of options in order to be able to find players who we feel can fit our program. And especially at the D3 level, you know, a lot of the time you're, you're trying to find those guys that are flying under the radar a little bit, you know, because at, at the D3 level, it's, it's, it's not as easy to get a guy that is throwing 88 in high school, <laughs> you know, because that, that kid, one, probably has big dreams and goals like all of us did, but maybe the potential to actually, you know, achieve those and so might not look. Um, and so, you know, we're looking, we're a developmental based program, at least Cornell College is. So for us, we're looking for guys that uh, we feel have a solid foundation that we can get here and develop those tools into being really, really high quality players for us. That's usually how we do it. So as far as the different avenues, um, I personally like watching games the best. Um, so the PBR showcases are good. I know that they're expensive, but what I like about them is that you get the showcase format. So you get to see the skills of the players, you know, just the, the basic swings, throwing to bases 60 times, you know, the basic athletic skills. And, but then you also get the in-game experience, right? They usually play games. And, um, and then you get an online video and profile, right? So you kind of get a three in one. So I know that those are expensive, but as a coach, uh, that's recruiting, those are valuable. Cause I get to see, you know, three different aspects. I get to see you in person, your skill set. Then I get to see you play in a game. And then I get to see if I would need to go back and look, I can look at your online video, right. And, and how you perform that day. So, but if you're looking for less expensive options, I think the best way to go about it is to make that video that we talked about, send it to a coach. And then, you know, if they're interested, send them your schedule, you know, and say, Hey, like, especially if you're local or around, I know, uh, obviously Mo, your team's in Nevada, but we're, we're working on that <laughs> exposure piece, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I would say to then send the schedule because I think a lot of coaches like going and watching games because we get to see how a player plays, you know, it can be different from just a skills video and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we get it from lots of different options. We get it from online profiles and, and emails that just get sent to us. Uh, we get it from showcases. We get it from high school games and uh, we get it from club ball tournaments. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm just a big advocate of the, the online video process just because it's a way to save money, you know, while still getting yourself exposure and direct exposure to the coach. All right. And one more follow-up question to that. Um, would it, does it work best when you know who you're going to see? I think a lot of people go out and you have the, those guys that are throwing 78 you know, to 82. And they're not going to sit back and be in that 90th percentile metric-wise uh, for, you know, for pitchers or for kids that don't cross the diamond or so forth. How or, you know, do they stand out to you? And more importantly, 
you know, how are they going to, how do they get contacted? So many kids go to a showcase and don't get contacted. They just end up with their metric sheet and they never hear from a college coach. They never hear from anybody in terms of feedback. So would it be best to find out where that college coach is going to attend or which showcases he's going to attend, send your video and then go? Or is it, you know, are people really going to find the needle in the haystack? I know nobody, nobody knows I'm coming. I show up, I am average, you know, for the most part. And then why didn't I get a phone call? I think that's a, that's a lot of the mystery. And I think a lot of the concern in terms of the expenditure uh, right. to travel, to travel somewhere, spend the weekend in a hotel, the food, plus the, you know, the fee for the showcase. Mm-hmm. And then you never hear a word. Right. Um, I will. So yeah, to, to, to validate that most colleges are right at a showcase are going to notice those highly athletic 90th percentile guys. Okay. Um, so if you're not in that group, which I will raise my hand that I was not either, um, Neither was I, that, just so we know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, nobody there. here was in the 90th percentile <laughs> for the athletic prowess, but we got two former college baseball players. So, um, you know, that being said, that is something to take into consideration. I think that if I'm just talking from personal experience, I am intentionally going and looking for those needle in a haystack guys. That is me. And I think there are other coaches that are trying to do that as well. So I, I completely understand that um, it's frustrating to go and to spend the money and to then never get contacted by a college coach. Uh, and that, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. So my recommendation is to, like I said, I think the, the best route is to personally contact the coach just reach out just personally contact and then you know if you start to let's say for example you send the video or you reach out with an email and you know we get lots of emails where guys players are kind of describing themselves you know they're like well here are my intangible qualities you know here are the things that i do well on the baseball field here you know so they kind of give a little bit of a background as to who they are as well as the skills video and so you know in that initial reach out if a college coach finds that that is a kid that feels like he would be a good fit, right? Based on the wording of the email, based upon the skills video, then then a relationship is established, okay? And so then what can happen there is, like I said, you can talk about game schedules, you can talk about um, coming out to visit, you can talk about all those things. But I think that that is a much more effective way than the showcase. Now, like I said, I like showcases personally as a coach because I'm trying to find needle in a haystack kids. But as far as a cost versus benefit model, I think that personally reaching out to the coach is the best thing you can do. Uh, And I'll give a little tip. Please, in your emails, if you send a coach, don't say, what's up, coach? Because <laughs> that is kind of an immediate, like, I don't really want to read this email, you know? Um, and that's not, like, I'm not saying that those kids are disrespectful or anything, but it comes across as very casual versus, you know, like, hi, coach, my name is, you know, you kind of want a little bit more of a, 
a formal introduction to yourself because you don't, it's just, it's that professional development piece uh, <laughs> behind things. So, uh, but yeah, so that would be my, my recommendation is to, to contact, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out and see if there's any interest. Can I, can I also add a tidbit about, uh, you probably don't, you guys probably can re read and realize when somebody just copies and pastes emails and doesn't do the research on your school and it's just basically blanketing uh, yes. college coaches. I, I'm sure that's a complete turnoff to you guys. Mm -hmm. It so. is, a, yeah, we get those those mass emails that are, you can absolutely tell that it was sent to potentially hundreds of schools or something like that. So um, yeah, and, and that's a recommendation too. Like, you know, do some research, right? See where, what region, you know, you might want to go to, what um, number of, you know, what the student population is, what the, the um, actual town location is, what degrees do they offer, you know, what's their baseball program like, you know, doing that research is, is, I think, a very valuable thing, because then if you do find a school that you like, then you can personalize that email. And so I get personalized emails and those are very refreshing and very enjoyable to explore because I know that that player has a genuine interest in Cornell College, which makes me want to have a genuine interest in, in finding out more about the player. Right. And as I was searching for a school for uh, my team to visit because we were heading out in that direction last summer, uh, you know, I sent an email to you guys and it, it was based upon the uh, uniqueness of your academic schedule, you know, your class schedule. And I was like, oh, this is, I would like to see this. I'd like to know more about this. And actually that's how uh, our relationship with the program started, which has been, which is great at this point. And I, I, don't, I can't imagine how anybody could contact you and not mention <laughs> the unique class schedule that you have. So, right. so and, and I'm not going to tell anybody, so I want them to go look you up. <laughs> <laughs> they got to go. 